Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. podcast the rgm experience podcast where we delve into the grassroots music industry we find characters we find interesting people we pull them off the streets and take them into zoom to chat ladies and gentlemen welcome to <laughs> oh i've had a hell of a day i'll tell you all about it in a bit uh, welcome to the rgm experience podcast with me carl maloney how we doing you on eight Nice one. Yeah, I've been hacked, ladies and gentlemen. The um, the uh, the traps of the digital world is taking its toll, and it's taken away my RGM page on Facebook. It's difficult. It's a difficult time, to be honest with you. And I do need to build on my self resilience because I lost my shit earlier today. I'll be honest with you. Uh, ooh, don't like don't like it when stuff like that happens. Uh, it's all been reported. Hopefully, it'll be back soon. You know, if, if, it, if you if you have any faith in uh, reporting stuff for Facebook and uh, and wanting them to be uh, efficient and get back to you quickly, which I'm not, uh, then I just hope it sorts itself out soon. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, the RGM Facebook page is hacked. Um, so if you see out weird, just let me know on the socials. You know, any sex adverts or. Uh, mad videos or like that you know just let me know it's definitely not me so ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the podcast um it's been another great week of music here in the grassroots music industry uh, and here at rgm we wouldn't have it any other way trials and tribulations of living your life well we've got an amazing guest an amazing band for you uh, ladies and gentlemen, today, the Rosellas. Now, Rosellas, and we talk about this in the podcast, uh, I, the the last gig that RGM put on, RGM Live down at Atmer in Manchester, we had the Rosellas on with Spangles, and it feels like about 100 years ago, that. Um, so we've got Ewan and Drew on the line, having a good old chat about... You know, how long that feels ago and just how much they've developed and cracked on uh, being in a band and there's loads of tips here for bands as well you know and just great chat for people that aren't in bands that just want to listen to a nice old knees up podcast yeah so we, we delve into the history of the band and what they've got coming up and what they have got coming up ladies and gentlemen is a shitload so I do applaud you applaud I keep saying applaud for I don't know what I'm trying to say. But in the description of this podcast anyway, if you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on the podcast, uh, there will be a link to invest in the band, the Rosellas. Check out a few gigs. Got a massive gig coming up at Band of the Wall in Manchester. Um, but, you know, check it out on the link, you know. Have a nose. So, yeah, legitimate, I hope you've had a lovely week in music. It's been all right this week enjoyed this one um, so ladies and gentlemen you can of course as always just as standard 
Uh, and we are getting a bit of traction on the old YouTube now. The YouTube figures have taken over the audio figures, to be honest with you. So we're, so we're losing out those audio uh, podcast listeners uh, are behind the figures on YouTube these days. Um, and I don't know why. I think just people are engaging it over there. You know, they like the long-form interview format, which I love. Getting to know, getting to know people, it's nice, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, so, you know, if you do want to check it out on YouTube, give us a subscription over there. We really appreciate it. If you are watching... Uh, on the podcast, on on the video version. There is a link to click the audio version so you can walk about and that, you know. Uh, And as always, rgm.press, bringing you the latest interviews and new music from the grassroots music industry and beyond. Hope you've had a good Glastonbury if you've been there this weekend. Uh, Hope festival season is feeling deep in now and just cracking on with it all and probably a few weeks for me until I'm messing about in tram lines again. Cannot wait. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I've realised I'm babbling and I'm going to move on. Ewan and Drew from Rosellas. Take it away, boys. Boys, uh, last time we had you guys on an RGM Live gig was, I think it was just the weekend before the pandemic, the big global bastard took everything away from us. (laughs) And I I can remember having you guys on at Atma with Spangled yeah. and, on at the time and a, a couple of other bands. And th- that just seems like, it feels like 50 years ago <laughs> compared to how much we've seen <laughs> you guys develop as a band and, and crack on with everything compared to just such a, it, it is, what, what is it, like three years ago when, when that kind yeah, of gig happened? That, yeah. It's mad that, isn't it? Yeah, I remember that gig really well. Yeah. That was the first time we'd done a gig with Spangled. Mm. And um I remember it really, really well because I think it was our first gig at Atma, weirdly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was the last one before lockdown. I can remember people talking about like you know this this virus. It's all it's all over Italy. It can't come over here. <laughs> and then people were people were yeah, just starting to be worried about it like, <laughs> and, and and thinking about going out to gigs. Is it is it a good idea and all that kind of stuff? It just seems yeah. like a different world. All that now. I'm just thinking back on that shit, don't it? Yeah. It does. I, I remember it happening though, like incrementally from gigs. Like you remember, we played um, uh, what was it in Liverpool? Sound Basement in Liverpool. It's not there anymore. But we were supporting a band called the Letra Sets, and I think that last week of gigs, it might have been in that same week that we played Atma with you that we did Liverpool, and we did one in Leeds. We had like a li- little tiny mini tour going on because we were in our absolute infancy. And I remember hearing like drips and drabs through the news that like, oh, you know, this shit's coming over. It's all going to be stopping. And we were like, nah, we're just getting momentum. This is bollocks, mate. We're doing all right, doing all right. And then I think literally maybe a week or two after that was when it all just kind of went kaput. And we felt (laughs) proper cheated out of it at that time. You know what I mean? Because we just built a little bit of momentum, just started doing gigs, just started like a tiny little tour. We were buzzing. And then it was like, all right, you can put fucking full stop on that for now. <laughs> give it another two years. As, as, as if like, you know, being in the music industry weren't tough enough. Uh, and you just like literally just as right. You've got a bit of momentum, Rosella's boys. You're not having that yeah. anymore. Get back in your bedrooms and you're not going out for two years. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think that obviously some people had different experiences yeah. over lockdown with COVID and obviously many people would have been affected by losing loved ones and a yeah. lot of tragedy but the, if you're referring to a band and how it affects a band specifically me and you have spoke before about how if anything 
it it, it kind of benefited us in a lot of ways because it meant that me and Ewan would spend all of those days sat at home just writing. Mm. We're just writing all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We have fuck all else to do. Yeah. I'm playing FIFA, drinking Bobbington's and writing. <laughs> it's pretty much all you had to do every day. And you're not having to worry about work or anything. And we'd, you know, we'd just be sending each other tunes, you know, five, ten tunes a week. And a lot of them got tossed in the bin and never used. Yeah. But it meant that we filtered through the shit because of the sheer volume we were writing. And I think if that never happened... And let's say we kept up the momentum of that first week that I'm talking about. Yeah. We might never have written some of the songs that we have today. You know what I mean? The amount of material was yeah. sat on that. We can thank the lockdown for. And I know you feel that way anyway, you don't you? Yeah. Every song that's come out since lockdown, up to now, was written in lockdown. Mm. And I was going to say before, we were in a good position because had, had that happened now, think we'd be even more fucked than we were because we didn't really you know we, we we had a bit of momentum but nothing like what we've got now and it was easier to pick it back up again and sort of you know get back into our stride we're, we're in a better position strong wise as well um but if that was now we'd be, be in more trouble do you think guys if if lockdown hadn't happened do you think you'd have been a worse band now than what you are then I, I, when, I, when I say worse, I just mean I don't mean it's prolific or a strong songwriters. That's all I meant by it. No, probably not. Probably not, to be honest. Probably not. But I think we'll be better. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I think I think we'll be uh, worse songwriters having that happened. Mm. But might be worse songwriters, but a might, live band. Yeah, yeah. Might be a bit further along on the live side because you just like yeah. you got to think about. That whole it was like a two year period, really, wasn't it? Where the only thing you could do to get any form of performance was a live stream sat on your bed in your fucking bedroom. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There was none of that. Like every time you're on stage in front of crowds, you learn something. No matter how big or how small, you learn something about yourself. You learn how to behave. You learn what works with people. And all the time, you're molding your character to be more efficient at your job. Do you know what I mean? And being starved of that for two years. We would when we came back at it. I know me in particular. I was just sort of pissing in the wind a bit, being a frontman. I was like, right, I don't really know what I'm doing here because I haven't done it for about two years. Yeah. But now I've got to a point where I feel quite comfortable and I know what kind of works, what doesn't work, what I can say, what I can't say, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, so I, mean, I think in that sense, we may have been a bit more. Just put it down to experienced. Do you know what I mean? But I know for a fact we wouldn't have written as many songs as we did mm. if that hadn't happened. Drew, how do you decide what you can't say these days? I'm very much myself, to be honest, Carl. Mm. I just I, I, I say a lot of the time what I genuinely believe, and I say a lot of the time what I think. And, you know, I like at our gigs, all of us as a five are extremely grateful for the things that we've been given by the people, even this far. Do you know what I mean? It might be a bit cliche to say, but... Like every rock band will say to you, like, oh, the best thing about this band is the fans and that. But it's fucking true, right? We, we're not even, we're not 5% of the way where we want to be yet. Do you know what I mean? The ambition is way, way further than where we are. But how grateful we are for these people that are into us, even putting us on the ladder. You know, I feel like I have to say that at a lot of the shows. Well, I feel like I want to say that yeah. at a lot of the shows, especially when we did, um, when we did Manchester Academy. And like we sold out the date up in Edinburgh, sold out Newcastle, sold out Leeds, like all 
all these little shows where you really feel the room being like into you and, you know, supporting what you're about. You just thank people for it and you make them feel like you acknowledge them. I hate these bands that like don't say a fucking word on stage. Yeah. It's all about this cool persona and it's all like, I hey, we're too cool for school straight after the gig. We're going to fuck off to the dressing room and not talk to any yeah. of you. Do you know what I mean? Because we're not really about that. We we owe a lot to the people that have got us to the point that we're at. And that's what, you know, I try and say that as much as I can without being uh, cringy. Do you know what I mean? You can overdo it. You can overdo it. But How how, how do yourself, uh, how, how do yourself like, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah. How do, how do you, how do you, how do you judge that in your own mind that, you know, without going over the edge type thing though? I've just, I think that when I when I knew I wanted to get into a band, like even before I'd met you and the other lads, when I just knew that music was something that I wanted to do, I've just watched countless interviews of the people that sort of inspired me to do what we're doing now. Do you know what I mean? And I've, I don't want to say studied, but I've sort of inadvertently just through watching how they are and how they talk, I've just sort of taken the subliminal notes from it, and um, I don't know. You just you know what feels right. Like I said before, I trust my gut, yeah. and I sort of know. I know when you're over chatting, and I know when you're underselling something, and I know mm-hmm. when you're um, probably going to offend someone or something like that. You know what I mean? You just you, when you're in a line like, like that, I guess you know you just say what you mean, and you say what your heart really thinks. But you just have to sort of you just have to moderate it by being smart. Use your brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Common sense, man. I'll yeah. put it down to. And you and yourself there, mate, stood to the side playing guitar and stuff. How, how do you feel about that relationship with you and the people you've got dancing about in front of you? Yeah, it's, that's true. It's brilliant. You know, mm. it's we, we've been to a lot of gigs ourselves and you want to feel that sort of connection to the band that are playing. And just by you acknowledging them or, you know, thanks for coming or whatever, or, you know, it, it makes it more special, mm. I think. And like you said before, we don't disappear after the gig. Like before the gig, we'll watch the support bands, we're kicking about in the pub, and then afterwards the same. So people, you know, I think we're quite approachable as people. Mm. So, you know, like fans who come to watch us, they come up to us and they'll sit and have a pint with us. And it's, mm. you know, that's part of it. I think it's part of the whole gig. You know, the gig isn't the 20 minutes you're on stage, it's yeah. the, you know, the hours and hours around it where you're interacting with people and, I think that's what makes it so special, and you definitely feel it back. Like you, you feel more supported when you know you're looking out in the crowd and you see people you recognise from other gigs and mm-hmm. little. Uh, you know, it's it, yeah, it's quite special. There's definitely a, a a bit of this that goes on in Manchester that I've noticed from coming over here, where bands do tend to be a bit short-sighted and disappear into the back and think they're cool and put a leather jacket on and stand against a wall and all that bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's quite a lot of that kind yeah, of stuff me. going on. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> well, I'm only, I'm only joking about that kind of stuff, halfly, uh, I suppose. But it, I had Martin Atkins on the podcast previously, who's been in Pill, um, you know, and, you know, loads of big bands. He, he, he teaches people in Chicago out there at the minute now, Marty Atkins. And the biggest thing that he told me to... Uh, to progress as a band is to hang around behind gigs and to hang around the merch stand if somebody's skin you know 
lose a bit of money, give somebody a, a t-shirt, you know, if you, if you know the, you know, it, it's hard times at the minute, you make a fan for life just with those type of gestures and you build real relationships by hanging around after a gig. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so important yeah. that, uh, and it, it seems so obvious really, but um, there is that element of bands where they'll, they'll just fuck off after um, and just yeah. go sit drinking fucking Carlin with the mates in the back. So it's just like, you know, the, the, the you times have changed. You've the time in the world to do that. Yeah, you have. You know. Yeah. We, we, we did a gig in, uh, Eddie, was it in Glasgow? Mm. And there was these lads come up to us after and they were like, oh, you know, we're buzzing, we're buzzing. Um, yeah. we, we might come tomorrow to Edinburgh. And we were like, oh, it's sold out, but mm. give us your names and we'll just get you in. Yeah. And they came That's the next day, wow. you know, we give them a T-shirt and just sort of looked after them because it was so sort of surreal for us to be up in Glasgow mm. And yeah. these people knew exactly who we were. They knew all the songs. They knew us all by name. And blah, blah, blah. and you know, you, you you feel like you want to look after these people and give them something mm-hmm. back. So, like you said, with hanging around the merch desk and giving them, that's what we'll, you know, that sort of thing we'll do. I mean, we won't do it to everyone. So, you know, when <laughs> you'll never flog into you know, get yeah, free merch. Yeah. Publicly on record saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's you know, just no. by the by the common sense to all us five. That just is. Common sense, yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're all about. We want to incentivize the people to come back to yeah. the gigs. Do you know what I mean? And whether that be a thirty-second conversation, fiver off a t-shirt because they're a broke student, or you know, yeah. ten minutes for a pint, or even a cigarette outside. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Just something to make it a bit more personable. Because mm. you can only do that shit where you're dead elusive and mysterious when you're at you know the height of like DMAs, Sam Fender, and all that. Yeah. If you get that. If you get that up your own arse this early on in the game, you're going to fuck yourself. Do you know what I mean? I, I completely agree with that. And I, and I do see a lot of it. And I just find it quite funny. You know, it's so it's, it's so short-sighted and just a bit daft, isn't it? You know, <laughs> get down off your own ass. Yeah. And another, there's another thing that we, we did, and this is going back to them at my days. Yeah. Of, um, we used to do a lot of gigs and it felt like Battle of the Bands. You know, because everyone's sort of at the same level. You've done about four or five gigs each. And, you know, people, the other bands, they just stare at you. And there's no, like, you know, interaction between the bands. Um, so what we we have sort of learned from that, we're trying to be, you know, we'll watch the support bands and we'll chat to them and we'll, we'll you know, encourage them. And if they're supporting us, we'll encourage them. If we're supporting them, we'll try and learn off them, you know, and just chat to them, basically. And, show your support for, you know, other, other bands. Because at the end of the day, we're all, you know, we all got, got a very common, uh, you know, interest, which is that we're all in a band. And especially in the early days, Drew, we found that it was a bit almost hostile, wasn't it, when we played? Yeah, and- it was, yeah, it was scarce to see a band come in the room and everyone just shake hands, you're right, mate, Andrew, what's your name? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just introduce yourselves. Get talking. Where are you from? You want a pint? You know, did it like like a normal fucking human? Yeah, it wouldn't happen as often as we thought it would. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we made the point to ourselves. Like I remember when went on tour with a band called Planet, um, and just by chatting to them and spending a bit of time with them in the dressing room and talking something like about the stage setup and learned a lot from them. You know, in terms of the professionalism and how they carried themselves and especially because they'd flown all the way over from fucking Australia and they were staying here in a house in Liverpool, you know, for about a year. Mm. We just kind of admired the the bollocks that they had. Um, and it's a perfect example how just being normal 
functioning humans and chatting to each other on, on a personal level was fruitful for both sides. You know, I mean, we learned from them. They, they, they might have learned some things from us, aren't they? You know, they might have learned <laughs> they very good at football. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're right in that, you. And it was in the early days, it did feel like that. And whenever we have a headline and people come and support us, you know, we just, you've got to break the ice straight away, man. Don't make people feel like they're on your show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're just playing a gig. You happen to be the band that's supplying that gig. But it's not like you hold all the fucking cards, you know, make people feel wanted yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Bless him. Bless him. One thing I, I can remember from the Atma gig, though, was just seeing how I was really surprised just how tight and how good your songs were back in the back in the Atma days. That was three years ago, Carl. I know. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about it. I, I I need to get to a new one. But I mean, I mean, just like because when I, I watch, a, I, I catch a lot of bands, you know, you get pulled all over the place, you see the, over here, over here, that kind of stuff. And it, when you're at a certain level and, I, and I've got no airs or graces about where I think RGM stands in the industry, it's basically a leg up to get you onto bigger play, bigger promoters like this feeling and, and that kind of stuff. So, so I've, mm. I've, I feel like we're in that little niche of play, with people that are maybe have done five or 10 gigs that are looking to take things a little bit more seriously and just to, you know, uh, you know, get the name out there a little bit more before they can start contacting these other people. Um, and I can, uh, I can just remember just hearing how tight you were and how well rehearsed you were. Has that always been a bit of a discipline for you guys? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I think, you know, that, that comes from, especially Drew and Louise and Mark, how good they are at, mm. at you know, their instrument and how, like, Louise in particular is unbelievable. Yeah, like, as, as a keyboard player, you know, he's he's, phenom- he's a phenomenal musician. Like, we'll go and support people. Like, we played with Star Sailor, mm. and they've got a keyboard player. And I was watching him, and I was going, oh, he's better than him. <laughs> you know, he's, 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 he's a nice guy. He's called Barry, but he's a really nice guy. But, you know, Luis is that good that it, it really helps mm. with, with, you know, with me in particular, because he's sort of thinking, right, well, I've got to be that good. And rehearsing, we, re- we still do rehearse all the time. And it's all about, we want to be as good as we can be, yeah. and as tight as we can be. And, you know, that has to come first, really. So it's something that we do proper sort of aim for and yeah. take seriously. And we notice it now with other bands. If they're, you know, they've got good tunes, but they're a bit, you know, like the gaps in between the songs, if you can hear someone tuning or if you can, yeah. you know, they're chatting to each other. It doesn't look as good, I don't think. It doesn't look as professional do you know what I mean and that's what we're trying to do with, that. with every gig we do like you said we learn off it so we'll, we'll do a gig and we'll go back in the rehearsal room and we'll go right there's a gap here we need to sort that out and then we'll get someone to fill the gap and then and it, and it you know it does make you better and it it's the sort of thing that people notice like you did yeah yeah, and, and I'd the, agree. The, the gaps in between songs is very important for me, just to show how uh, professional a band is. If you can stop bang on yeah, time, um, and then you know you'll all together start in the next song, or if you do like a musical interlude in between two songs, and you do something cool or something that you that that's well rehearsed and just sounds fucking class, it makes such a difference to a live performance, doesn't it? That kind of stuff. It yeah, it does, man. That's our ethos as a band mm. as a whole. Do you know what I mean? We're all massively into bands like the war on drugs and mm. pink floyd and you know these these slightly psychedelic well pink floyd are very psychedelic but you know war on drugs are more like psychedelic indie and that but 
They have an album called Live Drugs. Anyone watching, you should absolutely go and listen to that album because it's phenomenal. And the whole thing is pretty much just seamless. You know what I mean? There's only about 10 tracks in it, but every song has an introduction and an outro and then a joining section to the next song. It's like a show. Yeah. And that's what we want people that are coming to our gigs to walk away thinking. We don't just want to be the next indie band that goes like, bang, tune, 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 like we're here, we're in your yeah. face, blah, it's all fast-paced, get rowdy, spill beers over your mates. Like, that's great for a few songs, man. And we want that energy in there. But we also sometimes want people to be stood at the back of the room with the fucking jaw on the floor, yeah. not able to speak because they're just in this trance as to what's going on, you know, whether that be the fact that you've just heard 20 minutes straight of music, you know, and it's been indefinable and it's got all these elements of, psychedelia in there, acoustics in the songwriter in there, a bit of rock and roll in there, or, you know, it might be lights in the background. Mm. We just want, we want to make people talk about Rosellas as something else. Do you know what I mean? It's a show that you're coming to see. And we want to prove, you know, the professionalism and musicianship that's in the band like Ewan was on about, because we're good enough to do it. And we rehearse well enough to do it. You've just got to have the bollocks and the drive to make it happen, do you know what I mean? To cook the ingredients so it makes it, it makes it work. What? Well, so after lockdown and stuff, then so it it was like starting again for a lot of people. How did you guys turn it into such a success? Because you know you're selling gigs out all over the fucking country now. Well done, congratulations for that, guys. It's it's beautiful to see you've got uh, you've nearly sold out. Band on the wall, an amazing redeveloped yeah. venue in Manchester now that's coming up and I, and I do like the way that you're, you're advertising for support bands for that as well I think that's great uh, and, and giving yeah. stuff back to the, the community how, how, how did you you know pick up the guitars again and, and I know you were writing a lot but how did you physically get out there and get in front of people and engage with all these people so quick well what this came from so you, you might remember this, uh, called, there's a band from Sheffield called The Wired Yes, Callum. Well, I'm, I'm mates with Richard and Kaylor, who, Kayla, were, who yeah. were in Wired, mm. and they split up in lockdown. Mm. Uh, you know, and I was chatting to him a lot, going, how are you getting on to the alert? And he said, yeah, we're going to sack it off, mate, because, you know, two years, we're not, we're not rehearsing, we're not recording, we're not doing anything. Mm. You know, we're all just going to go our separate ways. And I used that as a drive to, well, that's what we can't do. Yeah. You know, we have, we, have, we have to stay hungry and stay up for it. And we were just itching to go, like, we were so yeah. desperate to get back out gigging and get back out playing these new tunes that we got. And we sort of all agreed we're going to gig as much as we can. So from lockdown lifting to Manchester Academy that we've just done, we did that was our 100th gig wow. in like, you know, year and a half, whatever. And we, me and Ollie worked it out one night. Yeah, that was. was our 100th gig. Wow. So we, we, we were just so desperate to gig and we took everything mm. we could. Like we never said no to a gig. You know, we just did everything we could in any city supporting anyone it doesn't matter we'll just do it and you know it was, it, we, we were just so desperate so hungry to do it that it was it was you know there was no question of oh i don't know whether we should you know what, what do you think we should do it, we all were, were agreed this is what we're going to do mm. and it, it has sort of helped us now we said to each other that when you know we were talking before about over the lockdown mean i remember when we were sat in that field like me and you went and met up on some camping chairs in a field and we're like trying to write some <laughs> towards like the back end of it. I know it sounds like Bob Dylan and Neil Young that done it, but um 
we were chatting saying like, mate, when these floodgates open and all these, like every fucking band we know is going to be wanting to get on gigs. Yeah. I remember saying to you like, we just need to be better. We've just got to yeah. be better live than anyone else. We've got to have better tunes. We've got to be tighter. We've got to have more character because we just knew that as soon as the gig circuit opened back up and people are going again, everyone has been starved of it that long, band side and, you know, production side, that the competition is going to be fucking ridiculous. It's going to be like being in a melting pot with everyone else. So you're right, you and we were, we were just hungry, weren't we? Yeah. I could still tell you, young, I, I could still, that hunger's there. I, I, I could see it at Atma with you all. And I can, I can feel it more now just from speaking to you guys. It, it, it feels like, you know, there's nothing going to stop you <laughs> if you get me. Yeah. Well, that's been the idea. That's been the thing from the start. And yeah. it's not a question of when. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, 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 you know, we do take it very seriously, mm. as, as you know, I'm sure a lot of bands do. But, you know, we, we sort of live and breathe it and all five of us are obsessed with it. And, you know, there's, there's nothing better than that, really. Mm. You know, because you're all pulling in the same direction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just unanimous. And, you know, we decide things together. We work out things together. Mm. And we face problems together and we record together. You know what I mean? We do everything together. Mm. Sometimes one of us might be driving the bus a bit more. Sometimes someone else might be taking over T-shirts. Sometimes someone else might be taking over socials. But, you know, we, we all work full time, man. Mm. Like, it's, it can be hard to balance it. And the only thing that we've got that keeps our head above water is the fact that, like, say I'm feeling a bit deflated one week, I'll, I know that within a 10-minute chat with you, he's brought me right back up because he's feeling a, an absolute way about something, you know what I mean? Or say he's he's got a bit of writer's block for a week or something, I've got a couple of tunes that are going on, and we just we constantly fucking tee each other up, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So how was it like, you know, all working full-time and, and getting getting these 100 gigs in? How did you manage that? So, <laughs> I, can, I can imagine it being... Knackered, I can imagine. <laughs> I can, were, you, were you like playing, like, there were obviously there have been places where there was just you playing to the bar stuff, that kind of stuff, I, I presume, during that time. Yeah, and, and, then, and, then, and, and then really busy ones, and it was just really up and down experience. Just talk us through that. It's bizarre. So I'm I'm working today. Like I work full time, oh, yeah, yeah. and we used to do, we we also did a gig in London. We got back at like four o'clock in the morning. I was in it seven. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> to go from like doing the gig and you know hanging around, everyone's going, "Oh, can you sign this? Can, you know, can I have a picture with you?" Yeah. To then going to work. I'm a chef, so yeah. it's you know pretty intense work anyway. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's like living two lives. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to do it because. You know, this is what this is what we want to do, and this is that's the sort of the sacrifices you have to make. Mm. You know, and I've said this to Drew before. I think if we didn't work, if we just sat around all day, and this was what we did. You know, we, I wouldn't be as driven to do it. Like, you know, I wouldn't be as bothered mm. because mm. working is what sort of drives me to be better within the band. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's something that sort of spurs me on. I think I don't want to do this. I don't want to. This isn't what I want to do. I want to do music. I want to be in the band. I want to be writing tunes, and, and it sort of gives you that extra little, you know, motivation, I suppose, to do it. 
I kind of feel I, I kind of feel really similar to you, you and me, because I, I work full time. I do condensed weeks, so I get a day off in the week, but I do like ten to eight on four days a week. So I do long days to get yeah, nice. and get, get a day off type thing. Because um, it, it works for me. Because you know, like before and after work and on my days off, like today it's podcast day. I'm recording a couple of bands. I've got yeah. the Mercicans on later. Uh, this is my day off, but it, it's not like we're working down pit doing music, is it? It's quite enjoyable as well, isn't it? It's not yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. not like a big the travels a bastard, but it's a good laugh in it. Yeah, oh, well, that's the thing. You know, it's a, it's a different <laughs> kind of you know. So, like you know, like for example, that London gig, you get back and you're not mm. you're not. It's a different kind of tired. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like when you finish work, you're knackered, but mm. after the gig, I'm not I'm not tired because you 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 know you're in, <laughs> I'm enjoying it so much, so it's it's. Yeah, it is good. You know, I want I want to change for the world, but hopefully, it don't go on forever because they kill me. Well, yeah, me. Well, it's festival seasons upon us. I know you've got these big festivals ahead of you as, as well, boys. You know, it must be really nice to be on the uh, on the on the festival stages now. You know, just to be in that stage of your career where. Uh, you get to play these amazing festivals. I know you've got Why Not, you've got By the Sea in Bridlington, you've got the band on the wall, Manchester gigs, you've got all these gigs coming up and there'll be a link in the description for you to find tickets for these gigs as well, ladies and gentlemen, because, you know, why not? Let's crack on and support the band. Um, you know, how, how, how do you feel about festival season coming ahead? It must be the it must be the best part of the year for a band, festival season, surely. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it is. I mean, we've done it for a couple of years now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, the first time we played Isle White was two years ago. Um, so that first time you go to a festival yeah. and you're on the production side of things rather than the average Joe ticket paying side of things, it is a West experience, man. Like being behind the fences and behind the stages and getting driven about in a buggy. Like it was yeah. fucking... It weird, it? Yeah, it was absolutely meant. But then like, you know, second time you do it, you're a bit less... Uh, yeah. A bit more desensitized to it, <laughs> and um, you just kind of you kind of pick up with the way that things work. I absolutely love being at a festival yeah. in the summer. I love I love being like shepherded around and shit, and like going to see a band over there, and then you've got your own set, and then you go to the bar, and then you know, it's just like a little microcosm of everything good about the music industry. But it sometimes means you know that like you can have really quick change over times and stuff like that, so yeah. it can be like a lot of pressure on you. And um, a lot of stress, but I think that when you've done, when you when you're in the middle of your set, you know when we're first song in or whatever, and straight after the set, you feel on top of the world, man. Because we've had some big crowds at the festivals mm. we've done, much to our surprise. Yeah. And how do you feel about you? Uh, you and how do you feel about festival season, mate? Oh yeah, I love them. Why not? Was brilliant last. We played Why Not last year. Yeah. Was brilliant. You know, the, the, it's a real sort of celebration of music. Not not necessarily ours, but like June said, everyone who's there. Mm. He's bang into the music, you know. So you don't get anyone who's like been brought along, you know. You know, some guys brought his missus along because he don't want to go to the gig on his own. It's yeah. everyone who's there wants to be there, and you. It's a it's a different atmosphere at a festival. It's a massive opportunity really to find is, yeah. new, new fans as well, isn't it? You know, because not not everyone yeah, that's is here it, to that's see it. your band. So you've yeah. got you've got thousands of people in front of you that you can, you know, try and impress and get involved with your band. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I think a lot of people have caught us and said, I'll show you at Truck and we'll come see you again. I'll show you at Why Not and see you again. Nice. You know, it's, it is. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So what what's coming up then after festival season? Is there anything you can share with us that, that's coming up in Rosella World? Well, yeah. ideally, it would be more tours. You know, yeah. be it supports, yeah. be it headlines. We just want to, again, we just want to gig as much as we can. Mm. And, 
sort of this last sort of six months, we haven't been gigging as much as we were, yeah. um, which was a choice. You know, it's, it was, yeah. we've got to be, you know, because we've done all the little venues, we've done the, you know, in front of five people, and we've brought four of them with us, we've done all that. Mm. So we, we wanted to sort of <laughs> do bigger gigs, but less of them. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, it, it, I, don't, I, don't, I can't speak for you, Drew, but I've not really enjoyed it as much because when you're doing two gigs a week, it's brilliant because you get better yeah. quicker. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you learn quicker and yeah, we felt massive improvement when we were doing that. I agree with you, man. I think as well we want to release more prolifically because we've got yeah. so many tunes that were sat on, man. I bet every band that comes on this fucking podcast tells you that, but I'd be genuinely <laughs> We've got two albums of material yeah. written, ready to go. And I mean, the EP that we've just brought out, we're waiting a long time for that to come out. But them tunes were written, you know, coming on two years ago. Yeah. So we've got, you know, the release schedule planned out for the next year is absolutely shit hot. Nice. We've got the Band on the Wall show, which we're really pushing. And then like you and said, after that, we're just going to gig relentlessly, whether it be supports or another tour, whatever it is, we just, we need to get that. I know exactly what you mean, you, and it's getting that like live drive back in because although we have yeah. done some cool stuff this year, it's stagnated from what we did yeah. a couple of years before because we gigged so much more. And I know that you know you want to gig less frequently but bigger in your hometown and stuff yeah. like that, which we are doing with Band on the Wall. But we're up for getting out to other cities that we've never been to before. Do you know what I mean? And just getting about the country, man, because that's where the enjoyment is. Yeah, I, I, I just I love the growth of a band and the journey of a band. And when you see you know two people into music like you two, and you just get the kind of vibe that I'm getting from you that you're just fucking gonna have it no matter what. I love that kind of I love that attitude, boys. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. So um, if somebody's hovering over uh, the ticket link now for Band on the Wall, uh, give us a message for the people that are hovering over the ticket link right now. They've not pressed the button yet to come and see you. Stop hovering, uh, press it. <laughs> yeah, stop pissing about. No, like I said before, this, show, this yeah. band on the wall show is going to be a different grade, man. It's not going to be like any of the other yeah. gigs we've done. We're going, you know, fully into a light show, visuals, oh, nice. you know, a show like the set, like all the songs we're going to meticulously plan out, joining them yeah. together and, you know, I want people to come away from it thinking that they've just seen, you know, a little bit of Pink Floyd, a little bit of War on Drugs, maybe a little bit of The Verve, you know, all that. I want people to come out there thinking, who the fuck are they inspired by? I can't pinpoint it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's going to be a different show, one that we've never done before. Yeah, it, it, you know, I, again, you've probably heard that a lot. Oh, this one's going to be the big one, but Fan <laughs> on the Wall will be different. Yeah. You know, we've we've already, you know, we've been racing for it for ages already. And we, we you know, it's going to be, it's going to be special, definitely. Well, lads, I really appreciate you joining us today for an episode of the podcast, um, and I just can't wait to see you start flying, um, you know, past the festival season and cracking on into the new year. I can't wait to see all the new tunes that are coming up, and uh, we just thank you for joining us uh, for the show, guys. Nice one. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Last one, guys. Cheers. Ewan and Drew, really enjoyed that chat. Nice one, boys. Thanks for that. The Rosellas, ladies and gentlemen. The Driving Force. A band that aren't messing about. They're all over it. They're passionate about it. You can tell there's a hunger behind them, can't you? You can you can tell with certain people that they, they fucking mean it, you know. They want it. I love that. And I wish them all the best, uh, as I mentioned before, in the description of the podcast. On 
YouTube or if you're listening on the Spotify, Apple, Amazon, whatever. Do invest in the band. Check them out. The new tunes are in the link in the description. Thank you. Check them out. Buy yourself a ticket for Band on the Wall if you're Manchester-based or one of the tour dates. Why not? What you got to lose? So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us for another great episode. Thank you. Do enjoy these things. And next week is going to be... We're coming up to episode 100. I don't know if there's anything to celebrate, but... Yeah. 100 weeks in a row. Just imagine having to do something for 100 weeks in a row. That's how much effort we put in to bring you a podcast every week, ladies and gentlemen. So if you do uh, feel like uh, being generous and donating a pound or whatever, you can do that in the description of the podcast. Helps towards the cost. We've got Zoom to pay for. Um, We pay for AI now as well to make the reels for us, which isn't perfect yet, but it saves me loads of time and I need that in my life. I need to save time. So thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, oh, you can subscribe on Twitter now as well and get bonus uh, podcast um, content. £2 a month. Um, Don't know how that's going to go. We've got one subscriber so far, so uh, I presume we're well underway to conquering that. Uh, So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get off anyway. I hope you have a great week of music ahead of you. There may be a bonus episode this week. There may be. Booked in. Uh, So, look out for that one on Thursday. And I wish you all the best for a week ahead of music. I've been Carl Maloney. I'm going to get off. Toodle-oo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support and we'll see you next week.